Welcome nerd. Are you ready to launch 133rd expedition into nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now warding off all curses and malevolent spirits. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. All right, so right off the bat, we record on Thursdays, you know, rather late. It's it's past midnight at this point. Yeah, so pretty much Friday morning. Yeah, technically it's <laughs> Friday morning. But, you know, today, this morning, I woke up and I was all excited because it's really the first day of Comic-Con at home, you know. So oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, you know, just blessed with some good news today. And literally, all day fucking long. All it's been is doom and gloom. Just <laughs> basically Hollywood saying, guess what? There's going to be no movies this year. Like, all, and I mean, we're not idiots. We know this. Like, if you're paying attention to the news and, you know, what the hell's going on, it's pretty obvious. But I just, I just question the logic of, like, making all these announcements, like, the first day of Comic-Con. You know, um, if you can't tell, we don't have an opener this week and <laughs> we're both really fucking tired <laughs> and maybe a little depressed because, you know, fuck COVID. <laughs> but anyway, before I get into a rant, let's do some housekeeping. Oh, oh, and I just wanted to make everyone aware we're Skyping and there's been quite a few problems just trying to get Skype to work. So if there's a couple pops here and there, you know, we apologize. Okay, before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing Nerd Show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinion. All right, well, up first, as Damon so eloquently put before, Disney releases new theatrical release schedule. And so did a lot of other people, but (laughs) Disney released a huge list. I could sit here and read it all to you, but I mean, what it really boils down to is, you know, all the movies that were in pre-production or on the schedule are kind of just getting pushed back a year because obviously they can't film anything. Exactly. Um, and I, I kind of feel like these dates don't really mean much because we don't know what the fuck is going on right now. So, I mean, you're not going to mark your calendar anyway. At least you shouldn't because who the hell knows at this point? <laughs> I mean, we are all kind of resting our laurels on Tenet being released in August. And I think a lot of the theaters were banking on that to be kind mm-hmm. of like the big, you know, reopening. Um, and that's not happening now. So I feel like that's going to be a domino effect and it's going to just push the schedule even further back. And that's kind of what's happening today. It's just annoying that they kind of decided to shit all over Comic-Con and like <laughs> use this day to kind of like announce all of this. But uh-huh. it is what it is. I guess I'm in a mood. <laughs> but no, yeah, that is pretty sad when you think about it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, Star Wars, basically... Most of the movies, like we had a movie coming out in 22, it's going to be released in 23 now. 
Yeah, and, exactly. which I even <laughs> twenty two felt like really way too soon for another Star Wars mm-hmm. movie. Anyway, I just felt like they weren't they didn't even have a like a, a script or a title announced at this point, and that was like two years off. So I'm not sure like how far into any kind of production they were. So the first untitled Star Wars film is going to be coming out uh, twelve twenty three. I hear I'm reading dates. Uh, the next one <laughs> is coming 1225, and the one after that is coming 1227. Cameron and his 12 fucking Avatar movies, they're all pushed back, too. But who gives a shit about those, right, Christian? Exactly. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine after the first one that comes out, they, they're going to just drop them all, right? I, it has to be a phenomenal film oh, for that oh franchise God. to really kick off. Well, He's all filming them at the same time, so they're all going to be in the can, so they have to get released eventually. Oh, they're going to Lord of the Rings it? I think so. I think that's what's happening. So, I don't know. That's not a good idea. Because remember the last time we even heard anything about it? It was like going to be like a marital-like story? Yes, yes, yes. What you want from your action-adventure film. Um, (laughs) Can someone just like call Cameron up and tell him no one cares anymore? Yeah, yeah, make a lead of Battle Angel 2. Yeah, really, right? (laughs) Disney wasn't alone on this day announcing shit. Mm. Uh, So we also got announced today uh, Bill and Ted's face. Bill and Ted faces the music, right? Yeah. Uh, They're being released early September, and it's going to be a theatrical slash uh, VOD. So uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping that some of these movies, there are more on, like, you know, the studio's, like, margins, um, mm-hmm. will, you know, start doing where we get this like kind of hybrid situation. Uh, you know, I don't see movies like Wonder Woman, obviously, or Tenet or, you know, the bigger movies, Black Widow getting released in that fashion. But I do think like the smaller movies like Bill and Ted's will get released this way. So it just makes sense. And I mean, how you can't let these smaller films push back your bigger films like down the line. So, because, I mean, that's how they schedule things, you know, by this mm-hmm. calendar. So I could definitely see that happening. Um, you know, we've got movies like Annabellum, you know, that was supposed to be coming out, you know, at the end of August. You know, Candyman's in October. You know, so I'm wondering if we'll get, you know, some of these, like, hybrid releases down the line. But we'll see. We'll see. I, ju- I just wonder that, you know, I've, I've brought this up before. You know, there was a whole plan, like, five years ago to make like digital releases become like the next like theater experience. And mm-hmm. I just wonder if, you know, we do a whole nother year of this. We push things back a whole nother year next year. If, if that happens, do, do they start to consider that? Do they start to consider video on demand as the new theater experience? Well, if they do like premium releases, which they did mm-hmm. for like movies like trolls and stuff like that, and they charge, you know, $20. I forgot how much it is. Um, I could see that happening. Uh, it, it depends, though. I, I mean, the, the theaters are going to be pissed off. And I believe mm-hmm. there was some issue between um, AMC and one of the studios. I can't put my finger on who it was, where AMC basically said, we're not going to release any of your theaters or any of your um, your films if you do this. So there was something like that brewing between like the theaters and you know the studios because if you really think about that is going to be a major hit to the box office Mm -hmm. so i don't know we'll see what happens we'll see what happens so dangerous game well and then i i could definitely see ticket prices getting upped like big time if they do do that 
So, you know, come get the theatrical experience, you know. So spend thirty dollars. It's already what, like fifteen dollars at this point. Uh, not when you go to my theaters. <laughs> Are those the ones that you sneak in the back, Christian? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's a mess. It's a fucking mess. What what are we gonna do? Um, New Mutants had a panel today at Comic Con, so they. <laughs> I mean, really, if you want to talk about the leader of the pack, <laughs> and they poked fun of it, like at it, like today, um, with their like their opening where they kept on showing the different release dates getting crossed off and everything. So, um, at least they have a good sense of humor about it. But uh, they. Dropped a new trailer this past week, some new footage, and then they announced that they're going to do a panel. Everyone kind of speculated that that meant maybe they're going to have an announcement of going to Disney+. Plus. Uh, that didn't happen today at the panel, but they kind of left it open, it felt like, and people are still speculating that, yeah, it's supposed to come out uh, in August in the theaters, but, you know, due to the current state of, you know, how many theaters are really actually open, people are kind of guessing that it will still get dropped sometime in September on Disney+. Plus. It only makes sense. It it does. It does, unfortunately. I mean, it sucks for them, I guess, but, you know, at least your movie's finally getting seen at this point. But anyway, like I said, there are too many films to really list right now who made the announcement that they're, you know, pushing back their dates I'm not going to bother going through the list. You can find it out there on the internet. Um, you know, and guess what? They're, they're all going to change anyway. So exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but once again, show notes wise, we're recording this on Thursday. We will have comic con coverage eventually. It's just going to be next week. So, uh, but let's go ahead and let's move on to maybe some happier news. Christian. Well, if it gets filmed, but uh, <laughs> uh, the rumor mill has brought us another story. Lando's Donald Glover will return for a Star Wars Disney Plus series. That's right. On an episode of Kelso Run Radio Video Podcast. I don't watch, obviously. Um, <laughs> they revealed the rumor uh, in the final segment of the show. Uh, at this time, there's no official title. Uh, they were reporting that a possibility is uh, Calarissian Chronicles, which I guess is the name of the comic book, Christian, correct? Well, no, it's what he it's just something that he calls himself in the comic books where he's like talking like it's Captain's Corner. It's still called Lando. <laughs> oh, so the wait, he calls it his own Calarissian Chronicles, like he's writing a book or something? Yes, but it's, you know, it's all like a vlog for him. Okay, <laughs> sure. It's dumb. It, it, it's a joke. In the I was like, well, there's so. no way they don't call this show Lando. Exactly. That would be the worst marketing idea ever. Like, <laughs> just call the fucking show Lando. Um, But yeah, so, but yeah, they, they basically announced that, well, they announced that there's a rumor. So if that's a thing. Uh you know, this would be Glover returning to the role that, you know, he uh, played during Solo, A Star Wars Story. Christian, are you excited about this possibility? I'm excited by the possibility. I, I did enjoy those characters that we got from Solo. I thought Donald Glover had a great performance in that film. So I definitely would love to see him do some more. I'm actually kind of... I don't know why. I have this weird feeling that he actually wouldn't be interested in doing any more Star Wars films. Just him as a general. But 
I, I don't know. I I did. Uh, I think I did read in an interview that he would do it if oh, you know okay. the material was there. Mm-hmm. So um, he he seems like you know he would have fun with the role. So and I don't feel like they gave him enough to do in solo. No, absolutely. Um, so I'm on board too. I, I would definitely be for it. Um, I feel like it would need to take place after the events of Solo, mm-hmm. and maybe you could use that you know series as more of a sequel, you know, to Solo. Since I mean that's been rumored too recently. So I think I'd much rather have you know a hybrid of a sequel where we're following Lando on his journey, and you know we still get you know Solo's story also kind of like interwoven in throughout the series if you could kind of have you know alden ehrenreich like you know make a cameo here and there you know and just follow the character we actually cared about you know (laughs) 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 but i felt like it wasn't alden's fault it really i think it was script problems so (laughs) and the fact that he went from a comedy to a more serious action film yeah (laughs) i mean basically shot two films in one exactly Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm all for it though. Um, I would actually like to see more about the Crimson Dawn if I if I were to. I'm I'm curious to see like Maul and everything that they were doing. So, and I think this would be a great way like to actually explore that. I mean, it's a nice mm. opportunity, but you kind of get it like through the lens of like Lando instead. And I feel like he'd be hanging out with half those guys anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> it might be a more interesting take. Yes. So, and I I feel like fans will be more accepting of that. Um, then, like, if you've got a story that's focused solely on Solo, where, like, you know, they, not that people don't love Lando, but, like, you know, at this point, Han Solo's, like, a biblical figure. So, like, if they do anything that feels off-brand for Solo, people are gonna fucking pitch a fit, you know? Mm-hmm. Where, like, Lando, I feel like they have more leeway. So, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> All right, well, up next, we had an official teaser trailer for Chucky, and we actually got an official statement that Brad Dorf will be the voice. So this is officially going to be helmed by Don Mancini. We knew about the series for a while. It's been talked about. Um, and the rumor was that Brad Dwarf would be coming back and, you know, reprising his role. Um, and it only makes sense. I mean, he is Chucky for Christ's sake. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, it sounds like, you know, we've got a few more details about the series, which is interesting. Um, It's going to be on Sci-Fi and USA. um, And they're both parent companies, so it only makes sense. Um, And then it, I don't know, we got a little blurb that kind of summarizes what's going on. So um, it's going to be continuing the, um, you know, the film, the original film series storylines. So, uh, but all right, here we go. Here's the blurb. Uh, after a vintage Chucky doll turns up at a suburban yard cell, an idyllic American town is thrown into chaos as a series of horrifying murders begin to expose the town's hypocrisies and secrets. Meanwhile, the arrival of enemies and allies from Chucky's past threaten to expose the truth behind the killings, as well as the demon doll's untold origins as a seemingly ordinary child who somehow becomes a notorious monster so i'm wondering with that last sentence christian do you think we're going to get kind of like an origin story to like what made chucky tick originally what made him into a serial killer 
that's what I can imagine. You know, after like you reading that, it kind of like just pops right there. Like, oh, they're going to show Chucky's backstory and stuff like that. How he became the murderer that he is. Now, do I really need that? Eh, not necessarily, but, you know, if, if you got a TV series, you want to fill it out, right? Yeah, <laughs> that is true. So, um, I don't know. I'm pretty excited for the series. I I enjoy like the Child's Play franchise. I guess mm-hmm. technically this is not Child's Play since I think it's Paramount who owns the right to that. So it's gonna stay separate. Um, you know, with the remake, I feel like there there's probably gonna be an announcement to sequel to the remake at any point, um, because that was rather successful also. But this is gonna kind of exist on its own, and it's just going to be a sequel to the original franchise. Um, but yeah, I feel like you might as well, you know, go ahead and kind of explore different avenues while you have it. I think it'd probably get a little boring if it was just, you know, Chucky running around killing people for, you know, 20 some episodes every season or maybe not. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for this. I, I, I really don't have anything negative to say about it. Uh, Do you think some money man at some point will get Brad Dorf and Hamill to do like a movie together? (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean like like do like a crossover event with the two dolls <laughs> i don't want to see that at all <laughs> i hope not <laughs> someone's thinking about it if not me. i don't think people are clamoring for that <laughs> no absolutely not i guess you know both dolls could exist in the same universe since you know hamill's version is an ai like gone awry i guess it could happen Storyline wise, I just don't see the two studios ever breaking bread, really, though, to make that happen. I don't know if I would want that. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm i OK getting a sequel from that, though. I thought it was OK. Hmm. Yeah, it has it has its moments. It has potential to be yes. really good. So um, but yeah, big word for us this year. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of potential out there. <laughs> All right, man. So that's really going to do it for this week with the news. I mean, with Comic-Con like here now, I'm sure a lot of like studios and stuff were holding back like their bigger like headlines, you know, for the weekend. So slow news week, but we'll be back next week with a lot more stories, hopefully. Hopefully, you know, most studios aren't even at Comic-Con, so we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Wishful thinking, Christian. Wishful thinking. All right, David, you saw a series this week. That's right. I saw Juon Origins. Potential spoilers ahead. Navigate with caution. You have been warned. A paranormal researcher hunts for a cursed house where something terrible happened to a woman and her child long ago. Alright, so the show was directed by Sho Miyaki, and it was also written by Takashi Ichis and, He's not <laughs> and listening. Hiroshi okay. Takahashi. <laughs> <laughs> I know the second name so well because, you know, New Japan. Yes. But everything else. <laughs> That's exactly what I thought about. <laughs> um, Alright, Juon Origins breathes new life into an otherwise bloated but hugely successful J-horror franchise. Uh, during the J-horror boom in the early 2000s, I really dug the American remake The Grudge, uh, which led me to check out its Japanese counterpart, Juan. 
But like after Hollywood like remade every and any J-horror film it could get its greasy paws on, and poorly for the most part I might add, I was kind of just over it. I had no clue that the franchise like spawned, you know, 13 films over in Japan, which I think is really a testament to the premise of, you know, the film. The original is still one of my favorite films from the beginning of like the new millennium. So when like seemingly out of nowhere, they announced the origin series coming to Netflix, I was curious, especially after all the disastrous reviews the remake got, you know, the American remake got earlier this year. So anyway, we start off this series, you know, following uh, the, a journalist who writes about supernatural stories. He meets an actress who believes her and her boyfriend are being haunted. And then all of a sudden tragedy strikes and the journalist becomes just obsessed with solving this mystery revolving around the events and what he feels like is in the center of it this like mysterious house that no one can seem to find um so the series is divided up into like six parts uh you know all about 30 minutes long and at first i wasn't quite sure like why they did this because it does not play episodically at all it really feels more like a long form film that happens to be like three and a half hours long um you know and maybe they thought it would be like just too much for the audience to handle in that format if they like you know if they went ahead and divided up the story into six parts it would just be easier to consume I actually think I agree in the long run because in the first three episodes, it kind of takes a while to get going. And what like kept me watching at first was the fact that the episodes just felt so light and brisk that it was easy to digest. Um, you know, so speaking about the first three episodes, um, you know, it introduces you to a lot of different like story arcs and characters and it's difficult to track we are like experiencing these different horrific events that take place in this house in a non-linear narrative they don't necessarily do a really great job of letting you know where you're at like in the timeline and there are so many different characters coming and going you kind of get lost at times the one element though that the director show um does really well is providing this like sense of doom that just you know tone wise surrounds these characters on um, that all like come in contact with this cursed house and we just get to watch their lives like unravel I, but overall like i was saying before i have to admit like you know at the time at the end of the third episode i didn't feel like it, i was really invested in the story being told but man am i glad i kept watching um because with episode four all fucking bets are off it plays like a sucker punch that just comes out of nowhere and we just get a non-stop horror experience that are both equal parts like haunting 
and freaking brutal. I mean, <laughs> they they never really relay like rely on those now like iconic ghostly figures that made the franchise so successful in the past, which I could see being kind of a turnoff for some hardcore fans. Maybe um, I don't really know the fan base that well, though. Uh, I thought it was a brave and bold choice, honestly. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, like, ghostly figures throughout this series. But they could have phoned it in and really leaned on what, like, worked so well in the past. But instead, like, show, let the true horror, like, happen at the hands of man. As we watch just this grisly aftermath um, of, you know, this curse in fact everyone it comes across it makes sense for it to be like a full circle you know type deal since like the curse is caused by the violence of man so um but so the imagery <laughs> that we get in those last three episodes are just intense disturbing and unforgettable i mean they pull no punches here it's not for the faint at heart. So be warned. Um, you know, but there at the same time is a well-crafted ghost story um, here that's just unrelenting. The director's show does not, like, pick his foot off the gas um, at the end of the series. And, like, he's got his other foot, like, on your throat the entire time. He even manages to, like, get this really well-plotted twist to the mystery, um, you know, in there that really makes you want to come back for season two, which is important. Uh, this was the Rocky, if you will, of fucking comebacks, if you ask me, um, from where I was at at the end of the third episode to where I ended up, you know, at the end of the series. I just thoroughly enjoyed this um and highly recommend it all right with that being said you know you, you said you had a struggle with the first three episodes i wonder if someone with like no interest or any like you know previous uh backstory to juan would be interested in this i think so um you know because honestly like i couldn't really remember you know everything that happened in those first movies so mm -hmm. you know i I was still, you know, hooked by it. It didn't, like, throw me off at all. So I think this is really a good jumping on point. And I think this is just a different take on that original story. I don't think this is really supposed to be, you know, a different chapter to the original film. I think it's just kind of like in the spirit of, if you will. Okay. Well, I mean, you've definitely got me hyped up for this now. Uh, <laughs> uh, what would you give this as a grade? I'm going to go ahead and give this a B plus, And honestly, it probably would have been an A if those first three episodes felt a little mo more like cohesive. Uh, but it's the kind of series where I actually can't wait to go back and rewatch. Oh, okay. Right. And I'm actually looking forward to season two. Has there been a confirmed season two? I have no clue. It's totally set up like that. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it seems that way, at least if you're following the story. Gotcha. So, um, I, so, so Nick Fury shows up at the end and says, we're, we're forming the Avengers and the ghost, <laughs> the ghost Avengers. <laughs> she did, I, I guess, uh, the ring and the grudge like crossed over in Japan. They did have yes. like a versus movie, like Freddy versus Jason. 
type deal? Watch that movie, dude. Is it supposed to be horror? <laughs> is it horrible? Oh, it's fucking awesome. It's fun as fuck. Really? <laughs> Definitely check it out. Do they battle each other? Yes. Oh, I'm gonna have to check it out now. <laughs> well, it's more like they're battling over killing the person, but it's it's oh, watch. It. I, I don't want to give it. I don't want to give it away. That's really Freddy vs. Jason, isn't it? Much better. <laughs> Much better though. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> Freddy vs. Jason has its moments, man. Uh, hey, I actually like Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, <laughs> so. I want to go that far. Uh, but, no, no. Uh, but yeah, no, definitely check this out. Uh, one final note. Uh, turn off the English like overdub because it definitely doesn't add anything and kind of takes away from it. Uh, Netflix mm-hmm. has it where it just is on automatically. So uh, just deal with reading the subtitles. Um, the story definitely works a lot better. Um, the, the English overdub is just, I don't know, it's kind of cringy. Yeah, I've, I've seen a couple of Netflix films that are like that, and it just doesn't work right. Yeah, no, no. All right, Christian, so before we move on, it's time for Christian's Corner. Yeah! All right, today we're talking all about the Xbox Games Showcase, the good, the bad, uh, the in-between. So yesterday I had went live with uh, YouTube and Twitch and all that stuff to give my genuine reactions to um, the event. Uh, you know, this was supposed to be uh, Xbox's big coming out, you know, after their last event, which was kind of lukewarm. Um, you know, they, they made a lot of promises and that, that they really couldn't keep at the time. Um, and this was kind of like, okay, here are the fucking games. This We got the console ready for you guys. Here are the games. This is what we what you need to see to get you excited for our brand new console. Um, and you know, for the most part, my genuine my genuine initial reaction was kind of meh. But I think now that I've slept on it, thought about a lot of what they showed us, and you know, kind of wrap my mind around what they're going for. You know, Microsoft as a whole, I would say they did okay. You know, um, I, I was a little bit more sour on it before, just because there wasn't you know. There wasn't a lot to give. I think my initial reaction was, you know, the only games that excited me here were from Obsidian. So Obsidian made a couple announcements at the event. Uh, that, that really stood out to me the most while I was watching. Um, you know, they, they showed off a little bit more grounded. Uh, they they made fun of themselves by saying, oh, this is the biggest game ever that you waited for. No, it's Cyberpunk. And, you know, they... They get it, you know, that I really appreciated the the effort in that fucking hilarious trailer. Um, they showed off some um, DLC for The Outer Worlds, which looks fucking phenomenal. That was my favorite game of last year, uh, and I'm totally down to doing a whole, like, restarting the game and doing a playthrough for our channel. Definitely keep an eye out for that on our YouTube channel, because I, I definitely think I'm going to end up doing that. Um, and, the, and the big one was um, Avowed, which looks like... Pretty much um, their version of the Elder Scrolls. Obsidian did a great job with the Outer Worlds, where where it felt like a spiritual successor to um, the Fallout series, and where the Fallout series had you know really fallen off the map with you know Fallout 76, and just how shitty that game turned out to be. Uh, you know, Obsidian's really on on the high, and I'm super excited for an Elder Scrolls type game, especially since. Everyone's really clamoring for the next Elder Scrolls to come from Bethesda, but you know, I at this point, is Bethesda worth trusting? Uh, you know, they've they've put out a lot of weird experiences lately that haven't been too big. I mean, besides Doom, what what has really Bethesda you know impressed us with lately? Um, and I mean, I I'm super into Obsidian now. 
uh, days, especially after the Outer Worlds. Uh, it was such a fucking phenomenal game, and I'm definitely going to have to do a whole replay and probably play these DLC, uh, DLC packs. Um, they did announce that there was going to be another one after this as well. Um, oh, it's called the Peril of Gorgon. Um, you're going to be like on a meteor, pretty much. Very interesting stuff. Um, the biggest game that they did show off, of course, uh, you know, not getting too far from it, uh, Halo. Halo, they started off the event with um, Halo Infinite. Uh, they gave us about 12 minutes of footage uh, from the demo. And, you know, um, my stance on it was it looked very pretty. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned on how the open world will work and how much that will affect the experience that um, a Halo game will have. Like, how, how, how does Halo and open world... If it's... It's not what I would have expected from it. But at the same time, you know, I, I do enjoy myself playing you know open world experiences so if i mean if they hit the mark correctly and you know uh, it still feels genuine to the franchise then more power to you uh, the the newest mechanic they showed off was a grappling hook uh, that's interesting i think there's a lot um, of things that you could do with that i can only imagine in multiplayer and custom games what you could possibly do with a grappling hook uh, i think that's a very interesting idea um, for a lot of cool new games that could possibly come out of that but we'll see in the future. They did talk about uh, showing off multiplayer much later, which multiplayer is probably the biggest part of Halo nowadays. Uh, you know, Halo's multiplayer experience, I mean, going back has always been, you know, the crown jewel of Xbox game experience. Um, beyond those three, uh, for me, like, I'm not a big Fable fan. I never have been, so the... And even so, if I was... I know people are excited that there is another Fable coming out, but you you had to have known that there would be another Fable game. There, there was no way that they were dropping that franchise. So to only get a cinematic um, trailer where it, it did look hyper-realistic, but there, there was no proof to that that's going to be what the game looks like in general. I mean, they, they do cinematics all the goddamn time. Um, for me, it just wasn't enough to get me personally excited, but I'm not a big Fable fan, so I, I, I don't know. If you're a Fable fan, you know, you let me know if, if that trailer was enough for you. But at the same time, for me, I, I just felt like, you know, as a closer for the show, uh, I, I don't know, I would have expected more. They did stick to that same fucking formula where they gave us, um, you know, the hot sizzle reel at the front, the, the ending sizzle reel, the, oh, we've got one more surprise for you type deal. I, I, again, like I said before in these last few events, just, just change up the formula. Give me something new, something interesting. Um, you know, Xbox is Xbox needed something a little bit more exciting, I would say, uh, to get me excited for their new console. But I don't think they're focused on that. Um, you know, it really seems like they're pushing towards games as a service to be their main goal, and it makes sense. You're gonna make more money that way. Um, it only makes sense for Microsoft to, you know, rely on subscription-based services rather than hardware, because hardware doesn't sell. It doesn't sell the way you think it would. And and on that note, I mean, when you really think about like all the games that they showed off, everything was announced to be on their Xbox Games Pass um, and put across all their platforms that they have the Xbox Game Pass on, PC um, and the consoles. And I think that's, I think that's, you know, kind of an incredible deal when you really think about it. I mean, it's a $15 for the Ultimate Pass. And that gives you multiplayer experience as well. Um, it's it's incredible to, to see this type of service running so well 
and you know being able because i i got it i got it just so i could play forza and and now that i have like this massive library of games that i can play at any time it's it really shows the future of how games as a service can work and i i definitely think that is the right direction at the end of the day you know eventually consoles will die out or because it's it's just not cost effective um and but most people don't have a pc that can run um games at at the highest quality that most gamers would probably want so that's that's what the market of um, consoles is really for you know it gives you a basis to work off of and play on but at the same time i, I just think we're moving towards an era where games as a service makes more sense um now at some some point we'll we'll have you know the ability to just play any game stream it to your uh pc and it'll work fine i'm sure uh we are in the early stages with that with like game, things like stadia and and so forth you know stadia did kind of fail and fall off the market um i mean it's still there trust me but it's 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 not gonna last uh, it, all it takes is you know some, someone like Xbox that has the infrastructure already and that's been working towards it and has this massive library to really you know prove and show how this could work. Um, it's that's that's I think that's what you could be the most excited about when it comes to Xbox and Xbox games going forward. Um, the Xbox Series X I just don't think is you know necessarily the be all end all of what you want as a system you know I, I don't think you necessarily need that anymore that, that console to enjoy an xbox game um and going forward it's well sure yeah ray tracing and everything's gonna look great on the system no, nothing is really driving sales towards the system when you are able to offer xbox games pass to everything um uh, one thing that still doesn't sell me that a lot of people are constantly are super excited about all the time is you know um, smart delivery. Um, I, I think that it should be less, it shouldn't be as celebrated as it is. I think that should just be a standard in the games industry in general. Um, that's been one of my like points for a long time. Like one of the things I always loved about PC gaming is that once you buy it once, you can just keep it in your library and it should stay with you forever. Uh, that was one of my, you know, big reasons why I was in love with Steam for such a long time. Um, you know, you, you just continue to re-download it as something that you've already purchased. Uh, I felt like this should be a standard practice throughout the gaming uh, gaming industry. Um, you know, it shouldn't be so celebrated, but just expected. Um, you know, it's it's a good thing that they have it, but um, I'm I'm hoping that you know gamers don't get lost in this concept of uh, this being something you know of a reward rather than this just should be how it is. At the end of the day, Games Pass is, is a winning concept. Um, the Xbox Series X uh, will suffer from Games Pass, I feel, especially when it's still available on Xbox One. All the games that they announce are technically going to be available on Xbox One. There's nothing that's going to drive you to this new console, but, but it doesn't seem like they're concerned about that at all. It's really showing that there's going to be a new era in gaming, and it's definitely you know something that we thought would come from Google. Um, it's really really showing itself through Microsoft um, and I definitely think you should keep an eye on what Microsoft does next in the next uh, five years in this next console generation because I think we'll definitely see all these changes come to fruition.
But yeah, if you want to see my initial reactions to anything I just talked about and or the games that I haven't talked about, definitely go on to our YouTube channel. I, I still have the entire event posted and then I also have a couple clips um, of moments that I enjoyed. Um, definitely check us out. Um, subscribe, hit the bell so that you stay up to date with all of our gameplay videos. I'm still playing Ghost of Tsushima. I'm really enjoying it. Like when I don't play it, I, 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 I'm constantly thinking about like going back and playing it. So that's that's, that's leaving a great impression. It's currently um, Sony's like top selling game um, right now um, of new IP and stuff like that. And it's, I'm really proud of the product that Sucker Punch put out. I mean, this is something completely different for them. And I think um, it's definitely worth uh, checking out and picking up for yourself if you want. But um, definitely come watch the videos. I have some edited versions of the streams that I do each weekend. Um, you know, we're putting up an episode each day, so definitely check those out or, you know, wait for those streams. Uh, the streams are posted each, um, each time I play them as well. So definitely check us out on YouTube. Um, otherwise, stay tuned to us on social media. Uh, let's go on. Let's keep going. Fellas, are you prepared to unveil your summer bod? Manscaped is here to ensure your post-quarantine body is ready for the wild. Don't be the guy at the beach with a bear rug on your chest. And if you put on some quarantine weight, the least you can do is be as smooth as a baby seal. The worst feeling in the world is that first day on the beach and you're rocking your brand new European style bathing suit and it looks like you're smuggling some Ewoks down there. You know what I mean. That's why I love Manscaped. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full body grooming game. They have forever changed the game with their Perfect Package 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with Essential Lawn Mower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. If you're in need of a chest shave, this is the best trimmer on the market. This third generation trimmer features skin safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. Don't accidentally shave off your nipple like Christian did. You can also adjust the settings to get the length that you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all. You can even trim our show logo into your promised land if you're bold enough. Go ahead and DM Christian and show us your nerd love. Be sure to use their crop cleanser to keep your hair and skin healthy. It's an all-in-one formula, so it's as good for your chest hair as it is for your skin. Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the Crop Reviver, a testy toner that's designed to give you pep in your step. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer, delivered to your door every three months. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag at a $39 value and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you visit manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. That's right, people. Get 20% off and free shipping when you visit manscaped.com slash nerdshow. That's 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash nerdshow. Trim your chesticles with the besticles and tell them the nerd sent ya. All right, David. Well, you saw a movie this week. That's right. I saw the horror film, The Beach House. In the trees. It's all over. Something in the air. I felt a little lightheaded before. 
A romantic getaway for two troubled college sweethearts turns into a struggle for survival when unexpected guests and the surrounding environment exhibit signs of a mysterious infection. This was directed and written by Jeffrey A. Brown. So body horror or biological horror is a subgenre that doesn't get enough love. <laughs> Something about watching someone going through the terror of coming apart at the seams, you know, from the inside is just a visceral experience. Some of my favorite horror films come from this subgenre. John Carpenter's The Thing, uh, Cronenberg's The Fly, or pretty much half of Cronenberg's bibliography. Um, or more recently, Starry Eyes, which I highly recommend. Check out Starry Eyes. Uh, there's a pretty extensive list, though, that come, you know, from this, like, subgenre, like Fall Underneath, its umbrella. So after I saw the trailer for The Beach House, I was definitely intrigued. Uh, you know, in his debut, The Beach House is written and directed by Jeffrey A. Brown in what I would say overall is kind of a mixed outing. Um, you know, solid in parts, but flawed overall. You know, it just kind of misses the mark for me, and I'll explain why. Right off the bat, I will say, I love the setup for this film. I thought it was a very promising start. We have two couples in very different stages for, you know, of the relationship, um, in, in life in general, sharing the night at a beach house by happenstance. We get to know and live with these characters for much of the first act. The younger couple are at a crossroads in life, trying to make things work and facing some really big decisions. While the older pair are coming face to face with their mortality um, and like they're on the cusp of the twilight of their life, the wife is like battling this illness. Um, Brown gives us some really smart parallel play with a strong through line of transition that connects the two couples and transition is always a big major theme in this subgenre so i was hooked uh to start the film and you know everything was really like highlighted by like solid lived in like performances and some really beautiful cinematography brown does a very like subtle but like effective job of building suspense when this like mysterious breathtaking mist i guess like rolls um in from the shore but unfortunately you know that's kind of where the movie ends up like losing me uh so when the morning comes because of the way the night ended previously we know something's up what happens next is a series of events that just kind of happen. Honestly, it was kind of hard to put my finger on it, why it just felt off to me. Yeah, I think it's really like due to like pacing issues, but overall, there's just a lack of tension. Um, while some of the biological horror aspects of this film are effective and really do get underneath your skin, there are some key scenes that just plain don't work. In uh, what is probably one of the more pivotal scenes in the movie, uh, you know, when it comes to the horror, the body horror, if you will, it just lands really flat because in like the choice that Brown, you know, makes in shooting it, it this is a practical effect film, but 
there are ways to frame shots, especially if you don't have the budget, where you're not really letting the audience in on the magic. Listen, I'm an 80s kid, and I prefer practical effects over CGI any day of the week, and I'm very forgiving when it comes to them. But, I mean, spoilers ahead. <laughs> so, let's just get down into it. Uh, the, there's a scene with the fun <laughs> where it's just borderline laughable because it looks like something you would pick up from spirits like for $10 during Halloween. It takes you absolutely right out of the scene and it feels just so avoidable because all he really needed to do instead of having this close up on the foot that just lasts forever um, is just to shoot the heel. Um, of the foot and you know what it would have worked I really do feel like it would have worked you know it's all about smoke and mirrors you know when you you don't have the budget um, and there are just too few and far between scenes like this in the story to really look past it like it'd be one thing if there was like five or six different scenes that kind of dealt with like what these people's like you know bodies are going through but just overall, there's not enough of that, you know, and there's just not enough horror over, you know, in general. Uh, th this film has a huge third act problem because there's not much of one at all. Uh, the rest of the film is like Night of the Crawling Dead. We get our characters just like whimpering through this smog. We don't really take much time to really explore like the metamorphosis that their bodies are going through. And like, you know, they don't really even run across anything that feels like a real threat until the final scene of the movie. And then it just ends. Um, we were in like desperate need of three or four more moments where we're experiencing firsthand what's happening to these characters. And, or at least like coming face to face with something that eventually is going to happen to them, you know, and our characters like to really like salvage this film. Uh, but, like, unfortunately, Brown just doesn't deliver on that. I don't know if it's just, like, budget restraints and maybe that was the case. But, you know, it just takes what I thought was a great introduction in the first act. Um, and, you know, it just, in the long run, doesn't deliver on the potential that he set up. Um, you know, it's just such a lackluster third act that it just really wastes everything that Brown, you know, built um, in the beginning of the film. I mean, the film doesn't even bother to really, like, capitalize on the character arcs that, you know, they ended up setting up in the very beginning. That just all kind of goes on the wayside, um, you know, when the, the morning hits. It, it's just forgotten about. It, it makes no sense because it's just, you know, it, it almost makes it more disappointing because we had such a great, like, solid foundation that ends up just crumbling at the end. Well, that just sounds unfortunate, David. I mean, it sounds very unimaginative of a third act. Tell me about it. I had to sit through it. <laughs> <laughs> like, there wasn't any type of payoff for their characters? No, not at all. Like, I mean, they set up this kind of, like, relationship dynamic between her and her boyfriend. Um, and they both want two very different things. But they just kind of forget about that, you know, once the morning hits. <laughs> and then they spend, like, a good, like five minutes in the very beginning talking about how she's like a like science student and 
going to school for like yeah, chemistry, I believe, and like or space chemistry, something crazy like that. So you kind of think, oh, well, maybe this is going to come into play, you know, maybe, you know, maybe she'll like realize what's happening or, you know, she'll somehow solve the problem. And get, don't get me wrong. I don't need any of that to happen for me to be, you know, satisfied with the movie. Like, I don't need the complete origin story, but mm -hmm. like, don't waste five minutes of my time and film time. <laughs> talking about like how she you know has these skills and then don't use them whatsoever story-wise well, isn't that that's typical film law you bring something up it comes into play yes usually usually it's foreshadowing <laughs> <laughs> yes so it's just really bizarre um but yeah i do feel like brown you know as a director you know has some promise uh because I, like I said, I enjoyed the setup. It's just, you know, how we got across the finish line that just made no sense whatsoever for me. Well, I'm afraid to ask because you might give it a curved grade like our, <laughs> our last few. But uh, what would you give this as a grade? Listen, man, we don't have much material to review. <laughs> so I'm being a little generous nowadays. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give this a D plus. And that D, that D is solely based on the first, like, 40 minutes of this film. So, because it probably would have ended up being enough. And I think, you know, unfortunately, I think part of the choices that he had to make effect-wise might have had to do with, like, budget like constraints. Mm -hmm. But there's a way around that, you know? Um just there just wasn't enough horror in this horror film you gotta work around your broken shark man you know you gotta be the next spielberg with these horror films yeah easier said than done but yes I agree. <laughs> all right well we have a pay-per-view to talk about speaking of horror shows we have a different horror show to talk about <laughs> <laughs> extreme rules 2020 christian So I'm going to start off and just do us a favor. We didn't watch the pre-show. <laughs> we never do, Christian. We never do. They don't include it in, like, if you watch it on delay. Mm -hmm. You have to go and find the actual pre-show. Like, they don't oh. include it with the actual pay-per-view, which is kind of annoying. Like, you could just have a thing on it saying, you know, pre-show, you know, beforehand. Just include it all together. So, because I'm never, it's gonna, just a, I'm never going to take the time to go and find mm, it, you know. It's it's just a timeline. All they have to do is add an extra button, and say, "Do you want to watch the pre-show?" Right, and there you go. <laughs> but anyway, yes, we did not watch the pre-show. It's it looks like it could have been a great match. I mean, mm. both are really talented. It's Kevin Owens versus uh, Buddy Murphy. Apparently, Owens didn't know that he was on the pre-show though, so I can see <laughs> why that would be a little frustrating. Uh -huh. Um, but. 
Owens has been on and off the show the, the past month, you know, and I was actually concerned that it was like COVID related, but then he popped up again and then he kind of disappeared again. So I, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Apparently he did demand though to Vince, the audience should be wearing masks and everyone should be wearing masks. And Vince apparently supposedly listened. Um, so I thought that was interesting that it took fucking Kevin Owens <laughs> <laughs> threatening McMahon. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, let's get into the show, Christian. Yes. Uh, first up, we had Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura going up against the New Day. Uh, that would be Biggie and Kofi Kingston um, in a tables match. So I want to get this just out of the way. Mm. I hate extreme rules. Like, I hate the pay-per-view. <laughs> Not because I don't like gimmick matches like that. I, I don't mind gimmick matches at all, but they have to be built to. Um, I bitch about this. I think the last... Jesus, I think I bitch about this the last two years we've reviewed this. This pay-per-view sucks because they're all just shotgun angles that really, like, you know, have no real payoff because mm. half the time, whatever feud or program they're working they don't dictate that they have these kind of matches. So it just feels really shoehorned and forced. And half the time, these matches could have been a lot better if they were just straight up wrestling matches. Um, and this is one of those matches. This, this match was fine. You know, I, I thought it was fine. I love the end spot. That was great. But like, I feel like I would have much rather watched them wrestle a regular match. So, cause these are two very talented teams. Um, but I don't know. How did you feel about the match? Um, you know, I, I thought they worked well together. I, I was excited to see Cesaro and Nakamura as a team. Um, I, I had a feeling going in that if they were going to take the titles off of the New Day, this would probably be it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the easiest way to do it. It's a tables match. It's a super simple type of match for them to lose. Um, I, I just... I feel like I could be so much more excited for these guys if I knew that WWE even cared about tag team wrestling, let alone if if Nakamura and Cesaro were like New Japan. My God, would it, would the, that entire building yes. would explode yes. with how great that would be. How great that but, match you know, would be. Exactly. It's but it's it's WWE, so it, it doesn't matter. I, I'm assuming they're going to lose the titles on TV in about like a week or two. Probably so. back to New Day. And New exactly. Day's had like like three, two or three title reigns over the last like two or three months. It's really insane. Like they just keep on going back to the well with them. They really need to get other teams involved um, on mm. SmackDown with the tag titles. So, I mean, they were doing that with God, the Forgotten Sons or whatever. And then Dumbass said something stupid on Twitter and got himself, you know, put on the bench again. So, um, you know, fuck him. <laughs> i just feel bad for his two like teammates because they both came out were like whoa 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 they're trying to disown his comments right away uh-huh. um so but yeah anyway but i just i feel bad for big e and kofi because i feels like it feels like they're treading water and they just have nothing new or creative for them to do and like you said with nakamura and cesaro you know, I mean, how much is this title reign really going to matter in the long run? Until WWE cares about the tag titles, it's hard for me to care about the tag titles. Exactly. And when's the last time they even cared about Cesaro or Nakamura as individuals? <laughs> yeah, fucking what? Uh, Royal Rumble 2018? 
<laughs> exactly. For Nakamura and Cesaro, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Probably like like eight years ago when he debuted. <laughs> I still I hate all the new WWE themes in general. Like I hate Cesaro's. I hate Seth's. I can't even like remember what Cesaro's theme is, honestly, right now. Does he still this, have the bar theme? No, it's this like weird quasi like um it's all green. Uh, and then the music is just kind of like this. It sounds like it would be a superhero type of entrance. It's it, it doesn't make sense. Because during the bar, he just had Seamus's theme, right? Yes. But mm-hmm. I liked that intro, like how they came out together and everything. I thought that worked well. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm i glad he's not wearing those fucking pants anymore, though. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. Some kind of European thing, but no, it, it just wasn't working for me. Um, but okay, yeah, this, unfortunately, this was the highlight of the night, though, for me. <laughs> oh, really? That was the best match? Well, this, I would, this wasn't the, I, okay, wrestling-wise, this wasn't necessarily the best match. This was a good match, but it had the most satisfying, logical ending of any of these matches. I will say okay. that. So, it, like, it was the most satisfying match of the night mm. where I was like, okay, that's fine. That's a ma- That's a kind of WWE-branded, you know, tag team match I expect on a pay-per-view. So, but it just goes downhill from here. <laughs> well, okay. Up next, we had um, Bailey versus Nikki Cross for the uh, Raw, not Raw, SmackDown Women's Championship. I thought this was a solid match. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck they're doing with Nikki Cross. Um, they've had her do nothing but lose over the past like three weeks, over and she's over. She's the again. sacrificial lamb. That's what I keep saying. But then why the fuck do I care about her in a title match? <laughs> Does it make they any don't. sense? <laughs> and I think it's supposed to be now her program is that you know she's you know on this losing streak. Hopefully, what ends up happening it ends up leading to a breakup between her and Bliss. Or Nikki ends up losing it and going back to her like monster-like character, um, where she's just a fucking psychopath. Because I just don't care about this version of the character at all. Um, mm. You know, this tea sipping, goody two shoes, you know, try hard character isn't working. So I mean, bring back what makes Nikki Cross unique. I, I love everything Bailey's doing. I love everything that Sasha Banks is doing. They're the highlight of both shows right now and they are the mvp of wwe just in general because i feel like they're the only thing of interest to me on the show um but yeah it's going to be that kind of review people i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) i'd really try you know behind the scenes note (laughs) usually when we're about to review something i'm always Uh like christian We really got to try hard to be a little more positive when we're talking WWE. And I always try really, really hard. You know, it usually ends up in just a fucking (laughs) shit show at the end Uh (laughs) with me just bitching and complaining. But I can't even put on that facade this week because this show is so (laughs) just abysmal. Like, it, oh, my God. This made me feel embarrassed for being a wrestling fan just because all the <laughs> just all the finishes were so illogical it made no sense like the way she was losing all like month it made me think oh shit she actually has a fucking chance of winning the title here you know maybe nikki oh. will actually win the belt but uh-huh. of course you know wwe doesn't care about logical like storytelling you know this is you know going to be a downward spiral for nikki cross and hopefully Maybe it leads to something, but most likely they'll forget about it in a week or two. 
exactly. I will say my favorite moment of the entire pay per view was that camera shot of Bailey Boss <laughs> with the ring on the ground that some cameraman just decided I'm gonna jump down real fast and get this shot. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Going on to to probably the best match of the night: uh, Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio. Eye for an eye match, Damon. How'd you feel? Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good wrestling match. It made no sense for the style that they were wrestling. For this to be an eye versus eye match, I think Seth and Ray were like, "How do we even begin to put a match together that just centered around trying to gouge someone's eye out? You know, let's just try to like salvage this match and you know do what we do best." And they did that for the most part, but you can't advertise a match like this and have such little payoff. Um, uh-huh. You know, it was rumored for a while, like. Like, oh, they're going to do some kind of CGI shot. They're going to go cinematic with this. I didn't want to fucking see this because what kind of presence are you fucking even setting up with this kind of fucking match? You know, um, you know, why do I even want to see this kind of match? How are you going to pay this off in the long run? And, you know, I mean, it just it made no fucking sense. Like and Mysterio is the one who asked for this match too. the baby face is asking for the eye for an eye match. Um, but <laughs> for what it's worth, they put on a good match. But the ending, the payoff, even though they did not, it said live, they did not shoot this live. That's bullshit. That's just in the corner because, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, you know, played it back live. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I guess what happened was McMahon saw the effect that they did. And did not like it at all. I don't know if he got squeamish or just was like, it, it looks awful. It doesn't work. But then he went ahead and they reshot it. And we got something that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. So I don't How did you feel about the finish, Christian? Oh, I, I felt the same as Seth Rollins at the end of the match. You know, I just wanted to throw up throughout the entire experience. Because <laughs> I just, I, I, I don't know, man. The, the way it was booked just didn't feel like it didn't make any sense. As you said, you know, they shouldn't be having this type of normal wrestling match when they're trying to go for each other's eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, it, they should have been, I don't know, some fucking chair shots or something. You know, they should, it should have been more of a hardcore match at that point. If it's going to be that way, they set up a few uh, things with the kendo stick where they broke it into shards and they were trying to like, you know, run him into it mm-hmm. instead of like just taking the kendo stick and like, gouging yes. at the eye like <laughs> i remember that i was like what's his plan here there's so many ways he could miss yes if he tried to do this it made no <laughs> sense um so it was it was disappointing overall and just i was more disappointing the company for even trying you know attempting this you know obvious like you know rating grabber you know what they thought i think mm-hmm. you know just you know trash tv type shit um it just it was i don't know it it just didn't work also another problem i have with it is just how fucking hypocritical mcmahon is i mean the fact that (laughs) he went on a fucking you know uh, i think it was a a a board call or something like that where he was addressing like uh, stockholders and he was talking about aew 
and how they're going to do, you know, the gore stuff. You know, we're, we're, we don't do that. That's beneath us. And then fucking three months later, he's having an eye for an eye match where literally the winner has to gouge out the other opponent's eye. Like, what the fuck is this? What are we watching? You know, at least make Seth look good at the end of the match, right? Like, why does he need to be throwing up in the corner and then looking like terrified as he walks out? Might as well make him look like an evil badass at this point. Be like, I fucking took his eye out and walk out proud. Once Becky, you know, uh, got pregnant, that's when they should have just turned Seth face again and just got out of this horrible fucking character that he's playing right now. Because mm-hmm. it, 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 like, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. Um, and it doesn't seem like they know what they want from it. So, um, I don't know. It's really disappointing. And I'm over it. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, we had Asuka versus Sasha Banks. Arguably one of the best matches of the night. Yes. Match-wise, this was probably my favorite match of the night. Finish-wise, this was fucking awful. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth. And <laughs> it made me realize that WWE, at this moment, is just booking for ratings. They're not worried about the pay-per-view and having satisfying endings. They're just setting shit up for the show because the ratings are so horrible right now. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to set up ways to have rematches on the TV show. Because um, it just made no sense. Like, why would Sasha be happy about this at the end? You know, it's basically what we have. After a, a 20 minutes of a pretty good match. I didn't think it was their best work, but it was a damn good match. Um you know, Bailey gets in the ring after Asuka fucking blows her miss at the ref's face, which didn't make much sense to me whatsoever. Um, but she blows the miss accidentally on the ref's face. You know, instead of them just going to work on Asuka and beating the shit out of her until the ref fucking recovers, you know, with a chair or something, they went ahead and Bailey strips the man of his fucking shirt and then tries to count the pinfall herself. And then they run mm. around like they won. Like Sasha should have fucking turned around and punched her in the face. <laughs> for two- <laughs> Like, what are you doing? Like, we could actually legitimately win. And I mean, there are no other refs in the back at this point. Like, <laughs> Apparently. Every time a ref ever goes down, any other moment in WWE history, another ref runs out. You know, but apparently not this time. So it just it was it was bad booking and just a horrible ending to what was a very good match. See, I think the spot should have been instead of the mist, uh, it would have been interesting because I thought this was actually what they were setting up was the ring was left out on the outside of the ring during that entire oh, like, the boss, pay-per-view. The boss. Ring? Yes. Okay. And I thought, oh, Kyrie's picking it up. And gonna give it to Asuka, and then she's gonna punch Sasha with it, mm-hmm. and that would have been like a great callback to the match before, and it would have been interesting. Yeah, a nice like cohesive, you know, yeah, you know, story, a piece of storytelling. You know, mm-hmm. you're not getting that. And here. it could have, you know, better than that. And it could have been like disqualification, and then you know whatever. Then you get your rematch, right? Exactly. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many other ways that you could have done it where you got the rematch. I guess right now on TV they're trying to act like neither of them have the title. 
Stephanie McMahon came out and was like, well, no, you're not the champ, Sasha, obviously, because, I mean, you'd have to be an idiot to believe that you're the champ right now. Um, and, you know, well, Asuka, you didn't actually win the match. She didn't say you're not the champ, but, like, she didn't hand her the title back. So they're having a rematch next week. So it's just all the, the ratings are just in the toilet right now, like the the worst they've ever been. So mm-hmm. they're really trying to book towards the show and it really reminds me of how like wcw used to like book their pay-per-views because for wcw they cared more about the ratings you know because they were owned by a tv station so it was Mm -hmm. more about like the tv show and getting those ratings and being wwe yeah the pay-per-view was nice but a lot of times those pay-per-views were booked for the tv shows for you to tune in like you know the following day so and that's really what we're starting to get now with WWE. They're starting to book more towards like the show because the ratings are fucking horrible. Like they held off, you know, this Randy Orton big show match, you know, that they built for three weeks because and trust me, I, I don't believe this was ever going to be a rating getter, but because they felt like they wanted to pop a rating on Monday. They also kind of did the same thing it felt to me with AJ Styles and Matt Riddle. They end up having their match, um, the SmackDown before the pay-per-view instead of like on the pay-per-view, which felt like just a no-brainer as a pay-per-view match. Mm-hmm. So it's really more about the shows right now and not about these pay-per-views. I mean, the one refreshing thing about this pay-per-view is only two and a half hours long. And that shows you <laughs> how much they don't really care about these right now. They're just kind of going mm-hmm. through the motions. No, it was it was unfortunate. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I'm hoping on uh you know, next Monday we end up getting a really great match between Sasha and Asuka and we get a better conclusion to it. Um, it looks like Kyrie Sane is probably going to have her last match in the company against Bailey on Monday also. Um she she surprisingly picked up a win against Bailey in a non title match. Um, mm. so I think they're going to have her end up being the sacrif- the sacrificial lamb, if you will, to um to Baszler because they kind of set up Baszler watching the match while it was happening. Um, you know, and the, the, the now one of the interviewers came up with like, do you have a vested interest in this? Which is a stupid fucking question because <laughs> I'm a wrestler in the women's division. So of course I have a vested interest in the women's title match or, you know, in, in any women's match for that matter. So, <laughs> so stay. Yes. It's, and I think it's on purpose at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean i feel like they're setting up for perhaps uh baszler versus asuka at SummerSlam, which i'm fine with i mean we'll see what happens i feel like they're gonna end up screwing baszler over again but you know I mean, they're gonna use Kyrie sane as collateral to get baszler over which is i mean gotcha. it's fine she's out of the company anyway at this point so mm. why not at least she got a nice I- win over the champion you know, before mm-hmm. she left. No, see, I was thinking um, Sasha Banks would win the title next week on Monday, but I mean, I I'm ter- I'm fine with this concept of Baszler versus Oscar. I so I would, I, you know, I love like Bailey and Sasha like to the point at the like I don't even want to see them break up right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, it feels like they're probably headed towards like some kind of like SummerSlam face off, but I'm okay with them delaying it. Honestly, because they're they're the only entertaining thing on the fucking show right now. So I don't know, man. I kind of cringe to think what these two shows are going to be like without those two together. All right. Well, up next, we had Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler 
in a Extreme Rules match that's only Extreme Rules for Dolph. Um, uh, if Drew McIntyre does anything wrong, uh, he is disqualified and loses the title. First of all, what the fuck is Dolph Ziggler even doing in this goddamn match? All we've been told over the last fucking five to ten years is Dolph Ziggler is a mid-card loser, and we shouldn't care about Dolph Ziggler, unfortunately, because he's super talented. But then out of nowhere, he's able to just walk up and talent for the like challenge for the title, and like it's just accepted. Like, how is this a pay-per-view title match? You could argue it's Drew McIntyre just being a fighting champion. Kind of. He didn't even want to give him the match, though. <laughs> I do kind of like that about Drew's character. He'll just be like, no, I don't I don't want to wrestle you. <laughs> Instead of being the dumb baby face who just accepts every fucking challenge that comes uh-huh. his way. Um, so I but yeah, this I mean, this was an OK match. Like they had some nice spots, but like I can't take the match seriously with these stipulations. You know, and this is why I hate extreme rules because you get so many stupid fucking steps that just don't make any sense. And like this would have been a much more entertaining match if it was just a straight match. You know, mm. they're both fucking talented and they can put on a good match. But no, we've got to have these stupid fucking gimmick pay per views now um, just for the sake of having it. So I, you know, I, there was a really nice elbow drop that happened, you know, that looked fucking badass. But other than that, I feel like this is a match I'll forget about, you know, by next week. <laughs> Honestly. I, and then he's challenging again. Actually, well, I won't forget about it because he's challenging again next week. I think he gets another match. Ziggler is challenging Ziggler is again? Get, yes. Getting a- yes, but now Drew gets to set the stipulations. Yes. Okay. It sure. just doesn't make any sense. It's just, once again, it's trying to get that rating, you know? But I don't know why they would think this match would draw a rating. This is, I mean, basically, Drew is just in a holding par- pattern because they're waiting to, like, you know, for SummerSlam. They're, it's going to end up being Drew versus Randy Orton. That's uh-huh. that's where they're going right now. Especially with, like, Edge being out with injury. Like, that's where they're headed, which is fine. But at least try a little harder. You know, give us a match where we think it could matter. I don't know why Bobby Lashley didn't get a rematch. True. That would have been, I thought that would have been the right way to go. Bobby Lashley not being the U.S. champion either, I think, was a dumb move. But I I don't know. Oh, where it's MVP going after the title? Yes. Yes. So I guess Apollo actually had COVID, Um, you know, Mm. unconfirmed. But that's the the rumor that that's why he has not been on the show. Um, and then they brought MVP in with the tie. I don't even understand why they introduced that belt two weeks beforehand. It was kind of weird. Um, and I was confused at first cause I thought he was actually the champion because that belt just hasn't mattered at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, they seem to be putting together stable now. Um, there was a rumor that it was supposed to be like a new version of the nation of domination, you know, during what we're going through as a nation, like, do we really need that kind of booking right now? Like, it feels like we don't need an all African-American group that's the heel stable, you know? And I don't mm. trust, you know, WWE to pull this off in a socially acceptable way <laughs> at all. So, oh, exactly. um, yeah, so I, I just want them to steer clear of that right now. Mm. But they even had Farouk in the back on Monday 
you know, kind of like coaching the guys up. Um, right. So I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then they were calling them, it seemed like, the Hurt Business, um, which is kind of fucking lame, <laughs> if you ask me. Uh, uh. Shelton Benjamin is now seems to be part of the faction at least um i wouldn't be surprised if cedric alexander ends up uh joining the group also uh mvp has been seen talking to him backstage a couple a couple times or maybe cedric turns on ricochet i like mvp and i like him with lashley um, I don't know if I necessarily need another stable because it feels like they never get like truly like invested in stables no. in the WWE. It's going to be just like that international stable that they made with like Cesaro. Oh, and... Jesus Christ. What the hell were they called? <laughs> oh, they're. Oh, God. Uh, was that Barrett? Wade Barrett as Barrett? well? Yeah. Kevin Owens was actually supposed to be part of it. But lucky oh, for Jesus. him, he was like out with an injury for a week or something. <laughs> That that was, and they should have been a dominant force, and all they mm-hmm. did was lose, like right from the get go. Like all they did was lose. That was when Sheamus had the title too, for like a minute. For a minute, for a minute. But after <laughs> that, like I think he he walked into like the group with the title though, mm-hmm. right? Or he they helped him win it. He won it from uh, Roman Reigns, and then like they just would lose over because uh, uh, yes. uh, yeah, Ru- fucking Rusev was part of the group too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just. I don't know. Just throwing people together because they have nothing to do for them, you know, on TV. So, and then they just forget about them later. I just thought this would be a, a great opportunity to, if you're if you're introducing a brand new U.S. title, elevate it. You know, uh, give it to Lashley. Have him like be dominant with this new title until maybe Apollo Cruz comes back, and then they can have a program. You know, do do something that elevates the new title and brings interest to it well, you know well and then like mvp is not even the champion technically they don't they didn't announce him as the actual champion so apollo cruz is still technically the champ so ah. you're, <laughs> you know i don't know if they're going to end up doing some kind of like ladder match which they've done before with the two titles um you know uh we'll see but like once again back to lashley why is he not in the title picture like if he's not you know, going after the world title, you would think he would be, you know, a shoe in for the U.S. title, like you were saying. So um, that kind of gives me hope that maybe they do have bigger plans for him, but we shall see. No, it's it just, again, shows that WWE needs to elevate and make new stars because poor McIntyre here is, you know, a great candidate for champion. But he's got no good storylines to go with. He's got no great competitors, no great anything to, to really work with during this pretty shitty time in our life. Because you know, they didn't bother to build anyone else up. Exactly. And it's unfortunate because it's only going to get worse because Heyman was actually trying to build up talent while he was there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think it was to the chagrin of McMahon. But now that he's not there, it's just gone right back into reverse. And it's all about the older talent again. So, and that's why you're getting the ratings that you're getting. Because no one wants to see Randy Orton versus Big Show for the fucking 80th time. Like, Uh literally. (laughs) I saw that match in the early 2000s. And they, for some reason, think that's going to be a fucking big draw, the main event of Raw. Like, what are you thinking? No one wants to see, you know, and I respect the Big Show. But no one wants to see the Big Show anymore. 
you know, and I'm hoping that this was his like final, like, you know, stand and that's it. And that's kind of how it was set up at the end of Raw um, with him getting punt kid. And he gave this huge promo um, that was actually OK. I enjoyed it. People thought it was a little too long. I thought it was a good I thought it was well done because at the same time, I, I think maybe I was secretly hoping like, oh, maybe this is, his, you know, his his final <laughs> like hurrah. Um, but yeah, man, no one wants to see this shit anymore. Come on. Mm-hmm. And all you have is all these young guys night after night, you know, like doing this fucking 50, 50 booking where no one's allowed to actually pick up any steam and get over like no one like from uh, Apollo Cruz to Alexander black. And then Andrade who's been like in a tag team and just floundering for months at this point, like, you know, he had momentum at one point and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then uh, what about fucking Ricochet? <laughs> you have one of the most talented in ring performers out there right now. Like the biggest, like had a huge buzz on the indie scene. And then you have Pretty him much as, as a lower mid card act. I would say he's just a jobber nowadays for me. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Pretty much. On WWE. Yeah. But it's, it's ridiculous. McMahon only has patience for a couple weeks. He'll push someone for a couple <laughs> weeks. They don't get over in his, you know, eyes. Then he's just done with them. So. All right. Well, speaking of ridiculous, we have the Wyatt Swamp fights between Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. To, to close out the show. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. You uh-huh. know, like shit like this. You know, where at WrestleMania, we had two pretty entertaining cinematic, you know, matches. And unfortunately, that meant that we were going to end up, you know, eventually getting here. Because WWE doesn't know when to let a good thing alone. Um yeah. When I heard about this match, I knew that it was going to be more of the same here. Um, you know, we get matches like fucking um, Money in the Bank, where it's just over the top goofiness that really is now in no shape or form a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. And that was more the same here. I feel like there was ways to make this work. Some people are pissed off that this wasn't a match. I was like, why would you want this to be a match? And they never really advertised it as a match. It's just supposed to be a fight. So I knew it wasn't going to be uh-huh. like a, 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 a pinfall type deal. Yeah. And I, I people are shitting on Bray for this, too. And I think that it's not his fault whatsoever. It makes sense for the character. But you have to make it entertaining. We got basically what we got between Orton and Bray at WrestleMania 33 and that whole fucking build up which was just a mess. You know, I mean, we got the weird flashes to creatures in the swamp. Um, I don't know if they were supposed to be seeing them. I don't know whose, like, eyesight, (laughs) like, we were supposed to be, like, you know, viewing that in. Uh Um, All of a sudden, mid, like, fight, there was, like, a five-minute dialogue between Bray and, you know, uh, Strowman that just went nowhere. Um, I did like the Alexa Bliss thing. I won't lie. <laughs> Just because it was weird and kind of off-putting. But I wanted more of that kind of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
dress someone up like Eric Rowan if he can't be there. <laughs> you know, have him come out. <laughs> you, or just, you know. You didn't like the two dudes that were clearly Luke Harper and Eric Rowan just with masks were they, Is that what it was supposed to be? Like, I didn't. Absolutely. That's Luke Harper's tank top and jeans look completely. But, just with fucking paper bags. Yeah, yeah paper. And then, then the other guy had like a hangman's noose on and a, like an executioner mask. Right? That's exactly what I thought it it was meant to be. Because then his mask comes off, and I thought it was like, are we supposed to know who this is? Like, why is his mask off? Oh, here? yeah, that random dude. Yeah, I had but no it was idea the same, it was, that, that was. was the executioner dude. Like, I just, yes, I was like, but... why are we seeing his face? <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, th- this is pre-filmed, so why can't we get his mask back? <laughs> it was just, uh... and then he gets, he gets lit on fire, right? Someone mm. got lit on fire in this, right? <laughs> no, he got lit on fire, and then he runs around for, like, 30 seconds. Like, how pathetic is that? Someone <laughs> actually got lit on fire, and we were struggling to remember it. Like, this is how... <laughs> this is how ineffective the booking for this match was. And how poorly it played. And, like, it feels like they... No one who booked this ever saw a fucking horror movie. Because the way they ended it made no sense. Like, it just... I don't know. I don't know. There's so many different ways they could have gone <laughs> where it could have actually been entertaining if they really like put the time into it. Instead, we just got like a, a hodgepodge of visuals and some like weird goofiness happening with some random dudes. And, you know, 18 minutes later, it just kind of ended like it. It just made no sense to me. I mean, I totally called Bray being uh the fiend being in the water coming out. That's fine. But then he could have just gone into the water and then jumped out as the fiend. Like yeah. Ray should have gone into the water and then come out as, you know, the fiend that would have made sense. Um, I kept, I kept waiting for it to be that, uh, fucking moment from Friday the 13th where Jason comes out. <laughs> Braun is on the boat, you know, thinking it's yes. all over. And then, yeah, he comes from behind. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly how they should have ended it and they even did a parody poster of it uh before of, of friday the 13th before the oh, pay-per-view okay. so hello <laughs> it was all right there for you so i i don't know i don't know but yeah what just i mean just a shitty ending to a shitty fucking pay-per-view <laughs> and like does this make you want to see brave versus brawn at SummerSlam? because no. that's where we're going I, I want it to never happen again. Yes. Well, we're going to get now the theme. Like that was the next, yes. you know, that was the next, you know, stage of the gauntlet that, you know, Bray had to go through or Braun had to go through to get to the theme, which makes no sense. It's reverse booking for the champion <laughs> to have to go through these different stages. But that's what seems to be happening here. Whatever. You know, I mean, the fiend's going to end up with the belts at the end of SummerSlam. I'm sure. Fine. You know, I still have hope for the character for some reason. <laughs> but you know i'm an idiot <laughs> i enjoy watching the character i just know it's not going anywhere i'm just i i feel that deep in my soul i know it's just not no, gonna go anywhere. i agree i agree and it's it's ridiculous because it was the hottest thing in wrestling mm-hmm. for a while and then they just they they can't help themselves you know they 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 book themselves out of you know their own heat it, it just makes no sense all right damon well we're at the best part of the show where we get to give it a star rating because that's what we do for wrestling well you said it right christian i'm going to give it a star rating a one star rating 
Ooh. You like what I did there? Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is by far one of the worst pay-per-views I've seen in quite a while. And we've seen some really bad pay-per-views the last couple of years. But this this has to take the cake for me. I think I'm going to give it two stars. Okay. Based on what? Uh, I, I enjoyed the combat we got in the women's matches. I think they kind of, you know, really held a lot of this together for me. But beyond that, yeah, everything else was squandered. I, I feel like the women don't deserve the what, whip. What the, the women rest of this are the only was. reason why there's a one star. Exactly. <laughs> there's, they're the only reason they, this 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 pay per view got a star from me. So I agree with you. The women had a strong showing. Had really good in ring work. Um, but for me, it was all about those finishes and those finishes, unfortunately just ruined both of the matches for me. Do you think the CGI for the eye, uh, eye for an eye match was actually like the eyeball was stuck to the steps? I have no clue what they're doing because they I still want to know what so that was. <laughs> I guess they wanted to make sure that they had an out where they can do the whole spiel with the optic nerve that they did, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, in the back. You know, with the, the uh, when they gave the update for Ray, because yeah. Ray hasn't signed yet his new contract, so you know they might let him go, and that's how we that's the final time we see Ray, <laughs> or they will bring him back and he'll you know miraculously be healed. Ray Mysterio, don't sign. Um, go out uh, if you want to keep wrestling. Go to anywhere else. <laughs> uh, have a good time. Let people book you the right way. Um, you're 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 a bona fide legend. Please just just go find somewhere else to work. You, you don't need the money anymore. I hope. Uh, just, just just have a good well, time. Well, and the, I get part of the problem is is it's you know he's got Dominic to worry about, and I think he's thinking about you know what's the best fit for Dominic, who will treat Dominic the right way. Um, I don't. I wouldn't trust WWE at all with Dominic no. once Ray is gone. So <laughs> I feel like that's kind of, you know, flawed thinking. Um, but that's me. I mean, I, I get it. Dominic would make a great young lion. Um, you know, there you go. <laughs> Who better to train him? Exactly. You know, I mean, all they do is put out good wrestlers. So <laughs> I, I, I would love to see Mysterio back in New Japan. I mean, I felt like Absolutely. he left with unfinished business, too. So, mm-hmm. All right, Damon. We got to close out the show. As, as usual, depressed as fuck. But <laughs> uh, Wrestling will do that to you nowadays. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, until it gets better, maybe we should just stick to Wednesday nights. <laughs> Hopefully next week we'll come back and we'll just talk some, you know, AEW, some NXT, and you know, get this like bad taste out of our mouths. Yes, something worth watching. Yes. All right, well, let's end the show. All right, but before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. That's right, and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. And if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. 
Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Yeah, tune in next week. We're going to go ahead and we're going to cover all the major happenings at Comic-Con at home. Um, That's a horrible fucking name, by the way, Christian. Horrible. (laughs) Does not roll off the tongue very easily at all. It's like a Twitter post. That's what they're going for, you know? I guess In Your House was taken. You know, WWE would definitely Uh be suing. (laughs) But, yeah, no, that just doesn't work for me. But regardless, hopefully we get some good news out of Comic-Con. Tune in next week. We'll cover it all here. Um, And we're also going to go ahead and review the horror film The Rental. All right. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show.